Well, uh, it is my distinct pleasure to bring the word, the, the, the message this morning, and I have a very strange title for uh, this message, The Promise and Danger of Using Your Spiritual Gifts. So I'm going to talk about using your spiritual gifts this morning. And you may have noticed in recent weeks, we've had a pretty big push to talk about and think about and pray about and encourage you to use your spiritual gifts. And Liz referred to this earlier today, uh, that we have this, uh, this slogan here at Bethel, every member is a minister, and that actually inspired right from the Bible, writings of uh, the Apostle Peter. Uh, And we really believe that at Bethel Christian Fellowship, that every member is actually a minister. And that's that's pretty different from the sort of the, I guess, right now we might say the dominant model for doing church in North America. The dominant model is... Maybe you've heard of the 80-20 rule. Anyone ever? Does that ring a bell? Anybody? 80-20 rule? That's where uh, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the congregation. Uh, and that, that, that's, that's good. Um, <laughs> that's like uh, speaking very highly of a church when that happens. Well, that, that has really never been the case around uh, at, at Bethel Christian Fellowship, at least as long as I've been involved. It's, it's got to be, in fact, the, the staff, a couple months ago, we were, we were talking about that 80-20 rule, and we were thinking, that can't be true about Bethel. It's definitely not true about Bethel. I mean, we, at minimum, you know, there's at least 60% of the, of, of the people are fully engaged, fully involved, using their gifts. And that's, that's minimum. It's, it's probably even higher. And there's certain seasons or times of, of the year where it's, it's much higher. And, and really, actually, I'm, I'm looking out in, uh, here at, at everyone gathered, and, and really, I don't, I don't see anybody who's not uh, using their gifts in, to some degree. And uh, so it's a beautiful thing. It, it, Bethel Christian Fellowship has been incredibly blessed with... Very, very active use of our gifts. Very active, and in fact, when we have visitors come, uh, they they, uh, they always remark, and not, not just visitors who come and, and sit, but you know, visiting pastors, visiting preachers, visiting church leaders. They come, and they they're always sort of a little stunned, like I've hardly ever seen a church like this with so many equipped and active and engaged people in leadership or service in in some capacity or another. And um, in a few months, so you guys, most of you been around long enough, you remember a fellow named Dale Van Steenis. He travels the world uh, supporting and building up uh, a church. And he's, for some strange reason, he's he comes almost annually to bless and build up our church, this this little church. And, uh, um, and he always, and he, he sees churches... Everywhere. I mean, he, he's been, I, I don't know if every country in the globe, but he's been at least every continent and been all over the place. And uh, he is, uh, and, and he comes here and he's, he, he just, he's kind of astounded, like, wow, you have so many leaders and engaged, active uh, participants. And, and it's wonderful. And, and so 
So we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about this. Um, you know, at Bethel Christian Fellowship, we have lots of opportunities to equip for the use of your gifts. Uh, Liz was talking about some of those opportunities coming up this winter, this spring. Uh, and then there's lots of opportunities to actually use your gifts. Uh, that's coming up. Or that, 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 there's, there's always been lots of opportunities. There's going to be even more opportunities. Um, we've always had lots of encouragement to use your gifts. Uh, if, if you haven't, um, uh, if, if you haven't, uh, you know, tried this yet, you know, you're kind of wondering, like, oh, I really love to do this, or this would be really fun, and 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 almost every, if you go to the leadership or you know, go to Pastor Jim, say, I, you know, I'd really love to do this, you know, 99.9% of the time, you know, that you're going to hear, a, yes, go for it, do it, you know, go for it. You're, you're going to be released into into ministry. So that's very much who we are. Um, we really believe and try to live out. Uh, every member is a minister. So this, this message about the promise and danger of using your spiritual gifts, I'm not going to spend, uh, r- really this message, in case anyone was worried, <laughs> this message is not going to be a message, uh, like a little kick in the, in, the, um, in the behind to say, come on, use your spiritual gifts, just do it. You know, this, this is not one of those messages. This congregation doesn't really need to hear that, um, doesn't need to hear, come on, just use your gifts, you know, get, off, get up off your seat. Uh, that's, that's not what this congregation needs. Um, and it, I, think, I think most people, if you've been around Bethel for very long, you, you know how powerful spiritual gifts can be, how important they are, how, how fun and <laughs> wonderful and fulfilling it is to use your spiritual gifts. Um, uh, and and, and you, you probably have seen, witnessed firsthand how when you use your spiritual gifts, it just the, the life of God explodes through you into other people. And, uh, and, and there's this marvelous impact, and it's, it's just, it's wonderful to see. It makes church life so much more interesting and exciting, and, you know, when, when you, when you jump in and get involved, it's so much more fun to be a player on the field versus a, a spectator up in the stands, and, and, uh, and, and most people in this room know that, have tasted that, have experienced that, want more of that. So, so, so that is all really good, and this, this message is not a get out there and just start using your gifts. But you've noticed I've entitled it The Promise and Danger of Using Your Spiritual Gifts. Now, some of you are, you know, Pastor Carol, next service, you might, she might get mad at me because I, I use the word danger. You know, she's like, Andrew, just when we're trying to get more people to be involved, you say, use the word danger. There's no danger. Well, there, there, there's a, there is a danger, and uh, I'm, I'm going to get to that danger in, in a minute. Um, but for, first off, just, just a, a little reminder that, that probably this, this group doesn't need um, the reminder of the purpose of the gifts and the power of the gifts. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Paul, which we're going to study this in a few minutes um, this passage, he's, he, we pull this from his letter to the Corinthians. Uh, he talks a lot about spiritual gifts, and, and he says that spiritual gifts are for the common good. And, and like I said, most of you have tasted that. Most of you have experienced that. You know this to be true, uh, that there's this incredible good that happens when you use your spiritual gifts. Um, but, like I said, there is a danger. Did you know that you could have two people, okay, 
both using their spiritual gifts, both using their spiritual gifts with equal zeal and excitement and even joy, both using their spiritual gifts, both even having an apparent powerful impact on the people around them, apparently for the good, and yet the motives of one of those people's hearts could be all wrong. It's actually possible. You, you could have two people, both using their spiritual gifts, both full of zeal and, and joy, and yet one of those people could be using it with the wrong motive. And, and I have to confess to you, I'll share a little story about this a little later on, but I, I've used spiritual gifts with the wrong motive, and it's caused damage, real damage, and it can even cause eternal damage. And uh, so, so, so a lot's at stake here. There's a lot at stake at getting the motive right. Okay, so, so like I said, this is not going to be a message about, come on, get going, get up there, get off your seat and use your spiritual gifts. Uh, this is going to be a message about your motive, your motive for using spiritual gifts. Um, because uh, I want to talk a minute about this, what's at stake here. If you, if you do have the wrong motive, the wrong motive can actually lead to several huge problems. Um, here, here are just a few of them, and I'm going to break these down, talk about these a little bit later, but can lead to permanent resentment and bitterness for yourself and others. It can reinforce your own rejection issues. A lot of us struggle with the fear of being rejected by other people, and the wrong motive for using your gifts can reinforce that. Um, the wrong motive for your gifts can lead to a sense of entitlement. And what I mean by that is that God owes you something, and uh, you deserve something, and if you don't get it, you're going to be, you have a right to be mad about it. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. More narcissism. It can lead to more narcissism. Narcissism is a big fancy word. It means it's all about me. <laughs> uh, Self-worship. And the wrong motive can actually lead to more narcissism. The wrong motive can also lead to self-delusion. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, and it can lead to the exploitation or the abuse of other people in a, very, in a very subtle and sneaky way that's hard to see at first. And ultimately, it could, lead, it could turn a whole community into a community of devouring wolves where, where nobody's safe. So like I said... There's a lot at stake here. There's a lot at stake here. Um, now, <clears throat> I want to talk about, uh, just start off with, a, with a, a definition of the gifts so that you kind of get a, you understand where I'm, where I'm coming from. When, when I say gifts, I'm not only talking about those, oh, uh, Paul has several different lists in his various writings of spiritual gifts. And uh, most of you have probably read those, studied those. I mean those, but I also mean, I, I actually mean everything that God has given you that could be a contribution to the common good. 
everything that God has given you. Um, it includes that the, those lists that Paul writes about. It also includes all your resources. It includes your time. It includes... Uh, um, all your talents, all of your strengths. Actually, it even includes your weaknesses, the vulnerabilities you have that can end up being a, a gift or a blessing for other people. It's, it's basically everything you've got that could be a contribution to the common good. So this, this covers a lot. That, that, that's what I mean when I say gifts. I'm, I'm talking about really broad, really big picture here. And before I can get into the danger, um, before I can get into that sneaky trap of having the wrong motives, I, I want to spend some time on the right, the right motives. <clears throat> There's two right motives for using your spiritual gifts. The first right motive is for the greater glory of God. That's motive Number one, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, this is so, this motive saturates all of scripture. You can't really go anywhere in scripture without finding this somewhere, but I want to just highlight a couple or a few of some of the more famous passages. Early on in uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his most famous, his longest, his meatiest sermon of all that's recorded, he says this as sort of an introduction he, he spends the whole sermon talking about doing the right thing, the right behavior, and he starts off, he introduces it by explaining the right motive for using all the spiritual gifts uh, and using all your good works. He says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good work, your good deeds, and praise your Father in heaven. Okay? So in a, in, Jesus is saying, when you do something good, when you do a good work, the main purpose of it, the main, the main thing that's supposed to result from using your spiritual gifts, from, from doing good, from doing something good, is that when people see it, the, the, the reaction they're going to have is, what an amazing God. How, God's actually bigger and better and more good and more beautiful and more wonderful than I used to think he was. That's, that's what's supposed to happen. They're supposed to praise God more highly after witnessing your spiritual, or the use of your spiritual gifts or your good works or, or any of your gifts. Okay? Is it people following me? A few, few heads are nodding. Okay, that's good. So for... Christians, when you do something good, when you, when you employ one of your gifts, other Christians are supposed to say, oh, I, you know, I, I know, I knew God was good. I didn't know he was this good. That, that, that's amazing. He's even, he's even better than I used to think he was. Oh, God. And then, and then, and then praise comes out of their heart uh, to, to God. Okay? Um, for the non-Christian, the person yet to become a Christian... What's supposed to happen is they see your good work and they say, wow, I guess I, maybe I, I got to rethink this whole Christianity thing. This, this God you serve is, 
he's a little bit better than I maybe thought he was. Maybe, maybe he actually is worth my praise. Maybe he actually is worth my, my worship, I, I, my devotion, I, I guess. I don't know. So, so do, you, do you see what's supposed to happen? People see your, spirit, your, your, your spiritual gifts. They see your good works. They see your actions. They see your behavior. They see your gifts in use. And they say, wow, God is amazing. All right? And, and, and this is in contrast to, they're, they're not, you know, when you do your spiritual gifts, you're not supposed to say, wow, that person, he is, he is something else, isn't he? Wow, I just, I, I really love the way he does this and that and this and that. The, the ultimate, I mean, if that happens, that's okay, but the ultimate result is they're supposed to praise God, all right? I'm belaboring the point, but I think, I think you, got, you guys all get it. Um, uh, Peter. Um, the Apostle Peter says the same thing just a little bit later. He says, If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with all the strength or with the strength God provides, so that here's the purpose, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So in other words, the ult- once again, the ultimate result when you use your gifts, when you do any good works, is that God gets higher praise, higher esteem, higher glory from the hearts of other people, both Christian and yet-to-be Christian, than he got before. Okay? And this is really key. This foundation is really key if we're going to understand um, the wrong motive, which I'm going to get to a little bit later. Um, And... uh, just to keep belaboring the point, Paul, in the same letter I quoted earlier, um, as sort of a summary verse for the, his main theme in his letter to the Corinthians, he says, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, he's not specifically referring to spiritual gifts here, but he's making this very general statement, whatever you do, and that includes spiritual gifts, which he talks about later in, in his letter. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Okay? Now, I could, as I mentioned earlier, I, this theme of doing all for the glory of God, it saturates all of Scripture, beginning of the Old Testament all the way to the end of the New Testament. You'll find it absolutely everywhere you turn in the Bible. I could spend, we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks talking about this motive of doing all for the glory of God. I'm just highlighting a few of the most famous verses. Um, you have to trust me on this. Go do your own study on this. Um, but but this, is, this is motive number one for using your spiritual gifts. Motive, the right motive, number one. Second motive, actually corresponds really well with this, is using your spiritual gifts for the benefit of others. Using your spiritual gifts for the benefit of others. <clears throat> now, um, let me. Uh, I'm going to quote um, uh, Paul again here. Um, I already brought this one up, but I'm going to just remind you of this verse. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common. Good. So your spiritual gifts aren't for yourself. Your spiritual gifts are for the common good. Um, a little bit later, in, in the same flow of thought, the same logic that Paul has, 
a little bit later, a couple chapters later, Paul writes in chapter 14, since you are um, eager to have spiritual gifts, and he's writing to the Corinthian church that, like us, uh, abounds in spiritual gifts, uh, abounded in spiritual gifts. I mean, he, he commended them at the very first part of his letter. He said, he said something basically like, you know, you really excel at the spiritual gifts. You have so many of them. And so does Bethel Christian Fellowship. So we're very similar to Corinth, the church at Corinth, um, 2,000 years ago. He says, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. So when you're, when you're praying, and God even uh, tells us in his word to pray for and ask for and seek spiritual gifts and more spiritual gifts, we need to listen to what Paul writes here. Excel in those gifts that build up the church. Okay? That's, that's the kind of gifts that God wants us to have. I mean, we can ask him for anything, and, and often he'll, he'll give us the things we ask for, but what delights his heart, what pleases his heart, is when we ask for gifts that build up the church. Um, uh, same chapter, Paul writes just a little bit later, when you come together, everyone has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. And, and that's actually very true of Bethel Christian Fellowship, too. I mean, if, if you notice, if you are, are around long, it doesn't happen every Sunday, but most Sundays, there's lots of gifts expressed, whether it's on the worship team or through testimonies or, or um, people helping out in the kitchen or... Uh, people tidying up afterwards, or just uh, people praying and interceding. I mean, the spiritual gifts are being used powerfully all the time and expressed at, at Bethel Christian Fellowship, like at, like at Corinth. And then Paul says the purpose of all this, all of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. For the strengthening of the church. So, So when you get together with all these spiritual gifts, it's not a show for you, you know, it's not at the Andrew show, like, here's my spiritual gift, everyone. Um, it's a, what, what it is, is you're gathering together so that your gift will benefit others. It will strengthen the church. It will build up the church, okay? You guys, I'm belaboring the point once again. You guys all, you guys all understand me. Um, and, and just one more thing, a, a, a to give you a little insight into Paul's motive for using his spiritual gifts, and he had a whole bunch of them, apostleship, preaching, teaching, uh, honor, I mean, just so many spiritual gifts. This is what Paul thought of the use of his spiritual gifts. He writes to the Philippians, I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So when, when Paul was... When he thought about himself, when he thought about the use of his spiritual gifts, it wasn't, uh, he wasn't going on the Paul parade. He wasn't going on the, you know, the Paul show. It's all about Paul. It wasn't you know, a reality TV show about Paul. It was, it was for the progress and joy of these churches to whom he ministered. All right? So that was Paul's motive. And, and, and our motive is to be very similar, as we've seen. Um, so, once again, two right motives for the greater glory of God and to benefit others. And, and actually, you guys, if, if, anyone, if that confuses anyone, 
Those two are actually two sides of the same coin. I don't know if you ever noticed that. The thing that builds up the church more than anything else is a glimpse of the glory of God. So when other people witness the glory of God through your gifts, that's what builds up their spirit like nothing else. Okay? So... Um, so when you use your spiritual gifts to glorify God, that builds people up. And conversely, in the same way, when you glorify God, that builds up the church. And when you build up the church, that glorifies God. Um, does, that, does that sort of make sense? When you use your spiritual gifts with the motive of building others up, God gets more glory because other people see that and they're like, wow, they're like loving each other. They're using their gifts and talents and strengths and resources to like build each other up. Like, wow, what God must they serve? Nope, the world doesn't do that. Nobody does that. Um, so, so when you use your spiritual gifts to build others up, that glorifies God. And when you use your spiritual gifts to glorify God, that builds others up. Okay? Two sides of the same coin. All right? They work perfectly together. So... You guys probably didn't need to hear all that because I'm guessing almost everybody in this room knows that and, and practices that and lives that out. But there is this wrong motive I want to talk about. And it's, it's sneaky. It's a very sneaky motive. And so it's hard to discern at first. And I'll be very honest with you. I've been a captive to this wrong motive for many seasons of my life, even long seasons of my life. And so I'm sharing this as someone who has been there, and, and I can't even really totally 100% use the past tense on that because I feel like every time I have the opportunity to use my spiritual gifts, I'm in danger of, of falling into this wrong motive. So I... I'm sort of, I'm scared. It seems like every time the Lord has me share a message, it's, he's always testing my own heart on something, which doesn't seem very fair, but anyway. Um, what is the wrong motive? What is the wrong motive? The wrong motive might come as a surprise to some of you. Using your spiritual gifts, using any of your gifts, to pursue your own sense of significance. Using your spiritual gifts to pursue your own sense of significance. What do I mean by that? Well, by significance, I mean that sense that we all need to have, that sense that we all long for, that sense of I'm important, I count, I matter, I have purpose, my life is worth something, um, I, I, uh, I'm valuable, I'm needed, I'm, I'm here for something good. Now, you might be wondering, whoa, Andrew, I thought, I thought that's a good thing. Um, that is a good thing. Your sense of significance is a very good thing, and God actually wired you to want that and pursue that, okay? The danger, and this is where it gets tricky and sneaky, guys, the danger is to pursue, is to use your gifts 
in pursuit of that sense of significance. Okay? Uh, I'll just start off by saying your sense of significance comes only and singularly and exclusively from God's love for you. That, that's where your sense of significance... The reason why you're important, the reason why you're valuable, the reason why you're worth something, the reason why you count is because God, unilaterally, for his own reasons, reasons we can hardly even figure out, picked you and poured out his love on you, lavished his, you with love, to said, you're my child, I'm adopting you into my family, and I love you. And that's it. That's why you're significant. And yet what we do so often is we use our spiritual gifts in pursuit of that sense of significance. Okay? Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll sort of pick apart the danger of this over the next, the next few minutes, but um, let, me, let me talk about some of these dangers I mentioned earlier. First, there's dangers to ourselves if we use our spiritual gifts as a way to pursue our sense of significance. First of all, there's the danger of permanent resentment and bitterness. There's the danger of permanent resentment and bitterness. Let me, let me just... I'll use the embarrassing example from my own life that I mentioned I would use earlier. I don't know why all the examples of sin come from my own life. But anyway, so uh, a few winters ago, I can't even remember which one. It was a particularly snowy one. And, you know, like a good Christian neighbor, I was all excited to, you know, love your neighbors as yourself. And, you know, I wanted to show the neighbors what a loving person I was. And so... I got up early. I had a job at the time that made me get up really early. So I got up really early and shoveled several of my neighbor's uh, walks. And I did this for, you know, many weeks, even months on end. And, and um, well, guess what started happening to my heart as this went on? Um, I wasn't filled with joy. I wasn't filled with delight. I sat there shoveling, going, nobody's noticing that I'm doing this. And why isn't anyone shoveling my walk when I don't have time to shovel the walk myself? And no neighbor has said anything to me about this for weeks. And so what gradually began to happen was I was using this gift of some time and energy to bless my neighbors But because I wasn't getting the reward I was hoping for, because I wasn't getting that sense of significance from their praise afterwards, what started to happen in my heart was growing resentment. So I ended up, as the the winter wore on, I ended up more bitter and less joyful at doing something good. I was doing the right action. It was the right thing to do to sacrifice a little bit of my time and energy and bless my neighbors with shoveling their walk. But I did it with the wrong motive. And so bitterness started to well up in my heart. Okay, Resentment started to well up in my heart. And that's, that's a danger for any of us whenever we use our spiritual gifts... Uh, with the wrong motive, because what's going to happen? What? What? Is, if you've been walking with Christ, you this has already happened to you. You know it's happened to you. You use your spiritual gifts. You know you're kind of 
here's my spiritual gifts to bless you all. And it doesn't get received the way you want it to be received. It's, thank you very much. You know, no, like there's no show on their face that they got anything out of it or that they were blessed or, um, or, or even worse, there's no reaction at all. Nobody says anything. It goes unnoticed, all right? And if, if you were seeking your sense of significance from using your spiritual gift at that time, then that's the open door to resentment. Nobody noticed. Nobody cared. Well, forget it. I'm no longer going to bless that church. They do not appreciate. They clearly do not appreciate my spiritual gifts and what a gift I am to this church. So you, you, you see, you see what starts to happen in the heart. And, and like I said, if, if any of you have been walking with the Lord for any length of time, it's, it's almost certainly that you've been in that sort of situation. Um, your rejection issues get reinforced. I mentioned earlier, many of us are motivated and our, our behavior comes out of uh, a fear of rejection by others or it comes out of a, a yearning for acceptance by others. You know, we, in much of our behavior, we're, we're, there's this deep motive of wanting to avoid rejection, wanting to gain acceptance. And if you're trying to find your sense of significance in using your spiritual gifts, um, this rejection issue is just going to get strengthened. It, it's going to be worse because uh, what, what, you've, what you've just done when you, when you use your spiritual gifts to find your sense of significance um, and people don't accept it the way you want it to be accepted, people don't receive it the way you want it to be received, uh, you, you are going to walk away from that thinking, ah, I really am a rejectable person. I really do deserve people's rejection. I think I'm just going to kind of isolate and sort of put up some walls and boundaries here because I, I just, I'm, I'm too tired of getting rejected and every time I use my spiritual gifts, it's just more rejection. Okay? So, but, but that came out of, it didn't come out of using your spiritual gifts. That came out of using your spiritual gifts with the wrong motive. Okay? If, if, if you hadn't been using your gifts to find your sense of significance, then there's an immunity that happens. I mean, it still stings. It still hurts when people reject you or reject your gifts. But it doesn't say something about you personally. It doesn't, you don't walk away from that saying, I guess I'm a rejectable person. You, you don't go, walk away with that message. Um, okay, another danger, a sense of entitlement. Um, you know, our, our sense of, Significance is such a powerful motive for us, and God actually put that motive in us. It's so powerful that if you use your gifts to achieve that reward of feeling significant, then you're going to build around that gift a sense of entitlement. I deserve to use my spiritual gifts in this church. Walk into this church. Well, Pastor, I can't. I could show you this long list of my accomplishments in previous churches, and I'm here to bless you with my gifts. And here they are. And the pastors, thank you. That's great. Thanks. Well, well, you know, let's keep talking about this and and see, you know, how you fit in. And you know, a day passes, a week passes. That pastor has not called. Me. Where are my speaking engagements? Where are my opportunities? Where are, are the open doors for me to use my spiritual gifts? I deserve the use of my spiritual gifts. 
And that's because you, you get that sense of entitlement when what you're really seeking in the use of your spiritual gifts is that sense of significance. Another danger. Um, more narcissism. I already mentioned narcissism is the big fancy word for it's all about me, self-worship. And uh, when you use your spiritual gifts uh, because they're all about you, guess what? That strengthens, it entrenches you, it further binds you into being a slave to self-worship. All right? If When you're using your spiritual gifts to glorify God and to bless and benefit and build up and strengthen other people, um, you, you, you actually find freedom from that narcissism. But if after every time you use your spiritual gifts, you sort of cower away from that, like, oh, they didn't like that and, and they rejected me and I feel so bad about it and, and on and on and on, that's just going to strengthen that wall of that, that prison of narcissism around you, all right? It, it won't alleviate it. It's going to strengthen it. Um, another danger to self is self-delusion. And uh, delusion means lie. Um, you, you can more greatly lie to yourself if, <laughs> you know, it, it's bad enough when you feel like your spiritual gifts are rejected. You know, that can uh, do all kinds of stuff to you. But... Sometimes it's even worse when people make much of your spiritual gifts. People speak really highly of it. They appear to receive your spiritual gifts in a really visible, obvious way. The reason for that is that can you, when you walk away from that, you're like, yeah, Andrew, you really that was that was good. You look at yourself in the mirror, hmm, you are good, Andrew. That is, that is, those are some good spiritual gifts you've got there, Andrew. When when you, when you walk away. With that, that can reinforce and strengthen that delusion that um, it really is all about you. Uh, your sense of significance really does come from the use of your spiritual gifts. But furthermore, there's dangers to other people. There's dangers to the whole community. Number one is the danger of exploiting and abusing other people. And what I mean by that is, instead of other people being the beneficiaries of your gifts, the ones who are built up by your gifts, they're just tools for you to get your sense of significance. Does that make sense? And you will throw them away as trash or exalt them as your very best friend, depending on how they receive your spiritual gifts. Does that, does that make sense? So some people say, oh, we just love it when you do this in our church. It's so wonderful. And then in, in your mind, you're like, huh, well, I will approve of this person. I will like this person. I'll enjoy this person. I'll trust in this person. I'll confide in this person. And this other person seems to have no reaction or even a negative reaction to your spiritual gifts. And what you do in your heart is secretly assassinate them, throw them away. They're trash. They don't, they don't care. They don't appreciate good Spiritual gifts, they just, they just can't see what they're missing. Um, and, and, and you're violating, in that instance, God's command to love our neighbor as yourself in that, in that situation. And 
if this sort of balloons out of control and the whole community gets affected by this, it can turn a community into a deadly community of devouring wolves. And what I mean by that is you could have a whole community where everyone is using their spiritual gifts um, to find their own sense of significance and they're using each other, really, to get that. And so people are not worthy and valuable uh, because they're other children of God and brothers and sisters in Christ. They're worthy and valuable because you get something out of them. Okay? That is... And, and when a community turns into that, it is deadly. And the problem is that most of the time we don't see that for, for a long time. And Corinth, where Paul wrote this long letter about spiritual gifts, Corinth was becoming like this. It was falling into this. And, and what's, what's so odd about it and what, what, what humbles me here at Bethel Christian Fellowship is like Corinth, we use our spiritual gifts and we use them powerfully and we use them excitedly and we use them zealously and there's a wide range of them and many, many people use their spiritual gifts and feel empowered to use their spiritual gifts like Corinth. And yet, like Corinth, we have that danger of becoming a community of devouring wolves if we get the motive wrong. So, just going to wrap up with, fortunately, there's a solution. There's, well, yes, there is a solution. There is a way out of this. And it's not simple. I've, I've sort of pinpointed three steps um, that I think are helpful. Um, first of all, you need to forcefully trust your significance in God. I said earlier, your significance, your real significance, that God does want you to feel, God does want you to have, God built you to want to know your significance, that real significance comes from just being an adopted child of God. Um, I, could, I could quote hundreds of passages in Scripture. Here's, here's one of the most famous. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. That's a statement of our amazing, unbelievable significance. And it's a beautiful significance. And it's a wonderful significance. And it's far superior to any significance we could get out of people's praise for using our spiritual gifts. That It's like comparing a little piece of trash to a mountain of gold. All right? The mountain of gold is our significance in Christ, just being an adopted child. And the significance we get out of using our spiritual gifts is just this little piece of, of trash in comparison. So why would we want to get significance out of that? But, but we've got to cling fiercely and forcefully to this truth. Because the enemy, the enemy knows, the enemy knows that, that, that if he can get us in this area, then he's going to erode the whole foundation of our entire Christian life. And so he's always, he's always trying to get us at that sense of significance down, down below, down at the foundation. Um, and so that's why we've got to fight for it. We've got to cling tenaciously to it. When we wake up in the morning, when we go to bed at night, throughout the day, we, we've got to cling to our significance as a, a, a lavished, beloved, adopted child of God.
That, that's where a sense of significance comes from. So cling to it, forcefully cling to it. A second part of the solution, do as many of your good works as possible in secret. Now, this is just super practical, and, and sometimes this isn't an option at all to do your good works in secret. But, you know, Jesus talked quite extensively about this. I'm just lifting out one quote from, of his, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness um, before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. Do not let your left hand know what your... Oops, this is my left hand. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And, you know, I, I've been in the last, I don't know, couple of years, I've been, I've, been, I've been trying to think through how to do more and more good works in secret whenever possible. And, and like I said, sometimes it's unavoidable to do some of your good works in public, but sometimes... You can do more things in secret than you, than you, than you think you can. You know, when, when you feel led to give somebody who's struggling um, some money, right? you don't have to you know, call them up ahead of time and say, when's a time when you will be home and I can come give you something wonderful to bless you? Oh, okay, all right, I'll be there then. You know, and you drive up, you know, pull up right in front. Uh, you know, get out and make sure your, your children come along so they can all see and, and uh, make sure that their whole family, maybe their neighbors are home so they can all see and you knock on the door, you know, guess what? You flip out your checkbook. I am writing a check to bless you. You know, and rip up, there it is. You see how much money? Look at that. You know, you, you, you don't need to give that way, all right? Um, and then, and then, then you, you walk away and you pat yourself on the shoulder and you're like, oh, I just wanted to make sure that they were feeling blessed. I want to make sure they have the full blessing of knowing it was me. You know, you you don't need to do it that way. Um, Go to the ATM, get out cash, stick it in an anonymous envelope. I don't know, at nighttime, stick it under their door. When they can't see, they have no idea who it's coming from. You know what's going to happen? When they open that and they see the cash, they're they're not going to be like, that Andrew... He's so special. They are gonna, they are gonna glorify God. They are gonna open that up and say, <gasps> and fall to their knees and glorify God, who somehow miraculously provided for them when all else had failed and God came through. All right, they don't need to know it's you. Um, so anyway, as many of your good works as possible, as many of your spiritual gifts in secret. Third, um, this is something I'm learning to do. Pray before, during, and after your good works that they may result in God's greater glory for the benefit of others. So, so consciously, intentionally pray that. Say, God, I, whatever else comes of this, God, I just, I at, would you, would you glorify yourself through this? Lord, would, would the end result of this be that the people who receive this blessing, this spiritual gift, who are built up by this, that they would think more highly of you than they think of me or, or anyone else. So, so pray that. Pray that before, during, and after. So sometimes after is the worst. You know, the thoughts come back and haunt you. Oh, did they really like that? Oh, did they really receive that? Oh, oh was that really a blessing? Or did you hit the mark? Just... I, 
push all that away. God, would you be glorified in that thing I did yesterday or three weeks ago? Just glorify yourself through that. All right? Pray that. And God loves to answer that prayer. So, um, spiritual gifts, we want you to use them. Every member here is a minister. They have enormous, powerful impact to build up the church, to bless the church. But use them for the greater glory of God. Use them to benefit others. Uh, Avoid using them to find your own sense of significance. Rest in your sense of significance as God's beloved child. Cling to that truth tenaciously. Do as many spiritual gifts. Use as many spiritual gifts. Do as many works as possible in secret whenever you can. Look for ways to do them in secret. And pray before, during, and after that it might result in the greater glory of God for the benefit of others.